Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com It's June 10th, 1605. And another remarkable event is about to be uncovered by Aria, Rebecca, and Ali, the Retrospectors. So on this day, the Russian court gathered for the coronation of false Dmitri I, who, as the name implies, was the first of three impostors to claim to be the assassinated boy Prince Dmitri, the last son of Ivan the Terrible. But unlike the others, he not only managed to get here and be crowned, he managed to reign as Tsar of Russia for almost a year. Yes, he was, in fact, uh, the monk Grigory Otrepaev. Uh, and so yet again, on the retrospectors, we are encountering monks behaving in ways that don't seem that monkish. This was <laughs> a pretty sort of bloody uprising to enable him to become Tsar on this day. But to be fair, he'd only become a monk in the first place. There's a lot of people in this story that end up in convents and stuff because he couldn't be in Moscow because he'd previously been involved in some pretty dirty politics. And so now he was back claiming to be this Prince Dmitri, but he'd come backed by Lithuanian and Polish nobles as well as Jesuits. And then he'd put together this army of Cossacks and various kind of assorted rebels who then invaded Russia in the autumn of 1604. And several Russian boyars who are kind of the aristocracy of this era era of Russian history, then pledged themselves to him, which was kind of for selfish reasons that gave them a, a legitimate reason not to pay taxes to Tsar Boris. And so his forces were actually defeated militarily, but he attracted followers through the whole south of Russia, through having led this rebellion in the first place. And gradually, bit by bit, the Muscovite boyars really started to come around to the idea of him and what he could represent. Yeah, in fact, there's evidence suggesting that most of the Polish nobles and then later the boyars didn't believe a word of the story that he was supposedly Prince Dimitri, but they wanted to throw themselves behind this coup because the, the Tsar Boris had become quite unpopular by this point. So everyone's like, yeah, sure, he's Dimitri, fine. Although, actually, somewhat unfairly, I mean, one of the th reasons that Boris was unpopular is there was this persistent rumour that he'd killed Dimitri, which obviously right. is then slightly disproven by Dimitri turning up. So you can't <laughs> support Dimitri, this guy who you think is Dimitri, because... The current czar killed him because he obviously yeah. didn't, if you believe that narrative. It's really bad that you killed the guy that we now follow and is definitely not dead and we're here to avenge. <laughs> I mean, I've got to say that is a truly incredible example of this line of thinking within the story. But we can't understand false Dimitri without understanding real Dimitri. Mm. Yes. So As Eminem just... famously sang. <laughs> so he was the youngest son of Ivan the Terrible, who had eight children in total, but only two were still alive when he died. One was Fyodor, the heir to the throne, and one was two-year-old Dmitri. And Dmitri came from Ivan's seventh and final marriage. But, and I didn't know this, the Russian Orthodox Church only recognises three marriages per person. You only get your first three. Well, he got a, he got a special pass, Ivan the Terrible, didn't they? They allowed him to go to four marriages. <laughs> but I think they, they all felt seven was taking the piss. 
if only he'd had Dimitri in the fourth marriage, he could have got away with being heir to the throne. I mean, this is what happens when you give someone an inch, they take a mile. Um, <laughs> so Theodore took the throne, but he was sickly and meek. Some people at the time said he was simple-minded. And so what happened was that a council headed by the chief minister, Boris Godunov, who you may notice shares a name with the future Tsar, they ruled on his behalf as the unofficial regent. And soon after they assumed power, they banished Dimitri and his mother Maria to this place outside of Moscow called Uglitch, that was 120 miles away. And they were sort of semi-imprisoned in the palace, kind of a bird in a gilded cage thing, until the age of 10, when he was discovered in the courtyard of the palace with his throat cut. And there were various explanations offered for why he turned up with his throat cut like this, terribly awkward. Um, One was that it was uh, an assassination attempt, obviously made to look like an accident. Another rumour was that he had stabbed himself in the throat during a seizure while playing with a knife. I mean, you know, what are the odds (laughs) of that happening? Um, But the official statement was that he'd killed himself. And that put Boris Gudunov in line to the throne, in part because he had married one of Ivan the Terrible's daughters, And ultimately, because then Ivan the Terrible has no living heirs, thanks to this convenient death of Dmitri, he's then elected Tsar by the National Assembly. And considering he worked so hard, let's be charitable, to wait for this opportunity, (laughs) Boris Gudunov inherited the throne at a rather difficult time. And that's putting it mildly. There was a famine on, and up to a third of the population died. Just think about that. A third of the population of Russia So he was incredibly unpopular with the people. These rumours began to swell that he'd murdered Dmitri. And the establishment, those boyars that you mentioned, the aristocrats, his ideas were a little bit too liberal for them. He wanted to establish a university in Moscow. They were worried that the church might lose its grip. And Mm. so they were keen for Dmitri to be risen from the dead. They were waiting for this opportunity to present itself. And enter Gregory. <laughs> and one of these boyars who recognised false Dmitri I as the, as the real Dmitri was this nobleman, Vasily Shruisky. He'd actually been the head of the investigation into Dmitri's death. And he, his name was on the official report saying that he had killed himself accidentally mm. while playing with a knife. He then turns around and recognises Dmitri. And then he goes on to play a central role in false Dmitri's fall from power as well by going back and saying, no, actually, he was assassinated. <laughs> I mean, everyone is falling in line at this stage. Dmitri's own mum, the widow Maria Nagaya, uh, who was married to Ivan the Terrible, she accepted that here was Dmitri and confirmed the story. So you really do get a sense that the powers at the time were lining up behind Dmitri because they just wanted Boris out. But also that the men in control were pretty fearsome. I mean, this woman was in a convent, the mother, and was dragged out and said, identify your son and tell everyone it is Dmitri. And she said, "Okay, then, it's Dmitri. It's not the first time in this story that a woman is going to falsely identify someone. And you hear about what happened to the women when false Dmitri took the throne. Boris Godunov's wife was strangled uh, by Mm. Dmitri's men. And Fedor, his son, had to watch as that happened to his mother. In fact, false Dmitri Otrupev and his army... Uh, killed all of Boris's family except his daughter Xenia whom he took as a mistress I mean that is going to be a strange relationship isn't it I mean he's the king now he could have anybody but he's decided to have as his female companion the former king's daughter having killed her mum and as I said her brother Fedor he died after one of the soldiers ripped off his testicles Oh, Lord. I mean, it it was just so brutal. And pretty much everyone who backed Boris, they were suddenly out or dead or had had their testicles ripped off. And all of the people who uh, Boris had exiled, they were now suddenly back. 
But it didn't really last terribly long because... No, not worth the effort. Yeah. The moral is, don't be Tsar of Russia, it's hard. I think that's right. Because, yeah, (laughs) false Dmitri seemed pretty incompetent and not very good at Tsaring. And he pretty much immediately alienated his supporters by failing to observe the traditions and customs of the Muscovite court. And he favoured the Poles after all they'd backed him to bring him into power. And so this really pissed off the Muscovites. And he then set about trying to organise this really elaborate uh, Christian alliance to drive the Turks out of Europe. And altogether, that led Shuisky, who Rebecca mentioned earlier, to lead a coup against him as well. So we've got coup, counter coup. And on it goes, really. And it seems like the catalyst for the uprising was actually his marriage. He married a Polish Catholic and he was already suspected of being a bit too chummy with the Poles and way too chummy with Catholics. Suspected of being a bit too chummy with the Poles. He'd previously led a full incursion by the Polish-Lithuanian army. I think they just happened to be around. I think they're in cahoots. (laughs) The signs were there if you were prepared to look for them. But there was this rumour that he had converted to Catholicism and that was sort of the final straw whipped up by the church Ten days after the marriage, a mob of commoners, led by hostile nobles in the background, sort of egging them on, they stormed the Kremlin and false Dmitri was forced to leap from a window and in doing so he fractured his leg. Now that's not a defenestration though, right? No, no, not if you throw yourself out. If you throw yourself out the window. Not, if, the mob, if the mob had got there and thrown him out the window, then we'd have a defenestration on I our mean, hands. I should have said he was forced to self-defenestrate. He was forced to <laughs> preemptively self-defenestrate. Yes. Yeah. Uh, he then, it was, all, it was all pretty undignified, actually. He, was, he tried to hide in a bathhouse and he was dragged out and killed by the crowd. He was cut into pieces, then cremated. Then his ashes were stuffed into a can and shot out of a cannon in the general direction of Poland, which is like the ultimate expression of going back to where you came from <laughs> but then ah, we are not done with false Dimitris because nope. in August 1607 another guy comes out of the woodwork pretending to be Dimitri but of course the public already had an idea of what Dimitri looked like as an adult based on the previous <laughs> false Dimitri so he wasn't pretending to be the nine-year-old Dimitri made adult he was actually saying he was the first guy again. So the, the preemptive self-defenestration hadn't happened. And yeah. somehow... No one's been back. shot out of a cannon. Yeah. Here I go. <laughs> yeah. All of those rumours run true. All those disemboweled bits of body that you've seen around the town. That didn't happen. And look, I've got a woman to prove it, everyone. Not at all at gunpoint. Here's a woman. <laughs> it's false Dimitri I's wife who says, yes, I am Dimitri. I'm the same man that she married. Hooray, I'm back. (laughs) It was literally the following year from Dimitri's execution. It wasn't like 20 years had passed. No, no. Yeah, and he looked nothing like Dimitri one. That's the other wild thing, that he's just like, yep, I'm that guy, let's do it. (laughs) Also, why would you want to be that man when you know what happened to him? That's the weird thing, isn't it? Oh, true. You're like this, but without the bit at the end where my ashes get fired in a cannon towards Poland. Next time... He had films called Safe in Hell, Free Love, The Devil is Driving. Love the show? Support the show. Patreon.com slash Retrospectors. Part of the ACAST Creator Network. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.